Just Go With It is a podcast hosted by two millennials who swear. And also, it's about horror films, so listener discretion is advised. We will put specific content warnings in the show notes. Boo! <laughs> it's going, I have to go get it. <laughs> Okay, so what's happening right now is I came to Nikki's apartment and she said, oh my God, I have your birthday gift. And I was like, what? And she said, don't go in the kitchen. And I said, okay. And she's running to get it now. And she told me that half of it I'll like a lot and then half of it I'll be like, what? So I'm very confused, but very excited. She's, she keeps saying it's so stupid. And that makes me more excited because I love dumb things. Not looking. Oh my God. <laughs> Something's on fire. Happy birthday. Oh my god. <laughs> you called curly friends. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> okay, quick, blow it out. Oh. There it is. Got it. I am. Um, oh my god, I'm so <sighs> excited about this. You have no idea. Okay, so like here's the hey, let me explain it now. The reason that half of it's gonna be good is because those are cold. Because mm-hmm. they got here obviously a while ago, mm-hmm. and I was like, I didn't think this through. <laughs> I was so excited about the curly fries that I was like, they're going to be cold. Kate doesn't like cold. <sighs> but yeah, I got Kate vegan curly fries and a vegan like strawberry shortcake thingy I thing. I love that thing so much. And if you think there's not one in the fridge for me, you're wild. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously there is. Noise. Um, so yeah. Happy birthday. Thank you. Kate's birthday's tomorrow. We usually record on her. Well, not on her birthday as if every day is her birthday. <laughs> Every Thursday, it's my birthday, but we usually record on Thursdays, but it's Wednesday because uh, Kate has birthday plans. Yeah. So, exciting. It's haunted. Oh, cheers. We have wine. Oh my God. Okay. 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 Hold on. Hold on. Oh my God. There's more. So not only did I get this, obviously, mm-hmm. but I got you a real gift that won't be here for a while. And it's so, <laughs> Kate, it's so stupid. And um, I think you're really going to love it. I'm so excited. It should be. It won't be here for a while. Okay, hold on. I have to find the email confirmation thing. Oh, so... oh, 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 I found it. I found it. I got you this picture. It's on a mug, though. So don't look at it on a t-shirt. Picture this on a mug. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's the ghost of Mr. Oh, my Chicken. God. You, uh... <laughs> I was like, I wonder what it'll be. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, That's incredible. So I searched and searched and searched. Oh I God. tried to find you uh, an actual 35 millimeter film like cell from the movie. Couldn't find it. So then I thought, okay, here's what I'll get. They had a, an unopened original VHS. And I was like, that's what I'll do. But then I was like, no, no, no. This has to be something she can use. And then oh apparently God. if you search Ghost of the Mr. Chicken mug, <laughs> you will find one. This is incredible. So yeah, that's on its way. <laughs> the scariest thing I've ever seen haunting me with my morning really, coffee. I don't know if it's the one. I really, they didn't have the one that said, you'll laugh yourself silly. <laughs> and I really wanted it. So I had to settle for this, but it's fine. That's incredible. Thank you. You're welcome. And now on to the real stuff, okay? It's not all birthdays for Kate. I'm going to put this in the fridge. Oh yeah. Post Hold recording. On. I'll stall. You'll see my curly fries in there. 
They're yours to lick. Oh my god. <laughs> We're doing something new. Yeah. And the new thing is, I'm not going to do that intro. Not this time. If, and if we like it, maybe I'll never do it again. Unless it's, you know, special. I just want to be like, you know, friends. I want to be pals with our audience. What? Friends? Are you saying we're not friends? Mm, that was a you? big assumption on your part. <laughs> you just licked the candles out of that cake I got you. And you looked me in the eyes and said we weren't friends. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. She sat here and watched Are You the One with Me for hours, and now she's just gonna sit here and say, We're not friends. <laughs> yeah, drink your wine. Nikki's uh, my friend. She's coming to dinner with me and my parents tomorrow. <laughs> Indeed, I am. I'm actually excited. I've never met your parents. Yay! Like that, I hope they like me. Oh, they love you. That's why I got you the cake, so that you would like me extra, so that when I got there, they would sense the energy and they'd be like, Kate really likes Nikki. <laughs> I'm just wooing you with Kate. <laughs> it works. Um, speaking of you not being friends and what I would say if you weren't my friend, mm-hmm. I'd say, get out. And that's what we're doing. Today. We're talking about get out. How was that segue? Did you like it? That was excellent. <laughs> Masterful. Okay. I'm working on it. Mm-hmm. With no intro anymore. I have to find a creative way into it. it. But we are, we are talking about get out. Um, and I'm very excited because I really like this movie. So I have some facts. <clears throat> okay, okay, okay. So this one's easy because it's new-ish and obviously people know it. It was written and directed by Jordan Peele. Duh. Uh, Jordan Peele's great. He started out on Mad TV. Did you watch Mad TV? Uh, a smidge. Because I watched it like constantly as a kid. Like a lot. Like I loved Mad TV and I don't really, it was like a thing that my mom and I did. We would like watch Mad TV at like midnight. Love Mad TV. But yeah, so his, but this was his directorial debut. Mm-hmm. He wrote and produced and starred in Keanu. Do you remember that movie? Did not see it, but I saw it on his like list of yeah, things. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it, but that was like his first one that he like produced and everything. But this was his first time directing. Um, and he apparently nailed it because he won the Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay. Um, it was nominated for Best Picture and Best Director. Fuck yeah. It was Which nominated is, for four things. Yes. And uh, and um Daniel Kaluuya was nominated for Best Actor. Yeah. Um, it's just wild. He just like fucking got it in one. Like, yeah. <laughs> did such a good job. And also, horror movies aren't, I think maybe very rarely, if ever, have been nominated for Academy Awards. That was almost part of my nerd corner. Really? Um, so they're usually snubbed because mm-hmm. people just generally don't consider them. No. And then there's also, like, they will win for, like, technical awards, but they won't win Best Picture, like, ever. Right. Which is another reason, one of the many reasons that Parasite was great, because that's Mm. a thriller. I mean, it's not a horror movie, but it is considered, like, a thriller. A social thriller, if you will. Yeah. So, love that movie. We'll talk about that eventually. Um, But, yeah, this one, incredible. Loved it. We're not even there yet, and I'm already praising it. Can't help it. Uh, The music was by Michael Abels. Um, He hasn't done, like, a ton of movies. Mostly just like a composer who does stuff for like opera houses and symphonies. Good for him. Uh, the cinematography was Toby Oliver, who has done Happy Death Day. Oh, I love that one. I haven't seen that. It's fun. But I want to. Um, and Insidious, The Last Key, which I'm assuming is one of the uh, Insidious sequels. It must be. Not seen it. <laughs> Insidious, the first, The Last Key. <laughs> You're right. Like, I was like, well, what's happening here? Okay. And then you might already know this, but the budget was 4.5 million do you know how much it made yes damn it um but i'm going to go with my guess of 200 million so you know and you guessed really <laughs> close to the i was well i knew 
that 20 million was going to be wrong. <laughs> I was hoping that you would like say your normal billion. And One billion. Yeah, there we go. There it is. I'm going to cut everything else out before that and put the billion in. It was 255.4 million. So yeah, you were close, but you also knew it. So <laughs> whatever. Um, here's another fun fact that you might already know, but I'm going to say it anyway. It only took 23 days to shoot this movie. Oh. Yeah. It was shot in Alabama. Okay. Mm-hmm. Huh. I think they started out in one place in Alabama and then moved to another. And yeah, the whole thing took 23 days. Holy shit. Unless I'm wrong, but I, I mean, that's what I read. So, you know. Uh, there you go. There's my good facts. Oh, shit. Kate <laughs> <laughs> gave me the face. I was hoping because I she gave her the cake, she'd so move on. She just so hopeful. And I she did. was like, there we go. And I was like, let's, let's go. go. Move on. Next. <laughs> Hold on. My cat is on my table trying to eat a candy necklace. Noodle, No. <laughs> He's good. He's fine. He won't eat it. Noodle, my stories. My stories are on, Noodle. He really Wow, he's really going for it with that candy necklace. He knows what he wants. Candy necklaces, it. apparently. Ah, he's good. Um, all right, all right. It's like you forgot my birthday, but you celebrated <laughs> this, bitches. I, I was like, where's my fucking cake? <laughs> um, all right. So I'm going to try and be short and sweet like the other ones. Man is dating a woman. The woman takes him to meet her family he she says they're cool with the fact that he is not white he is black and then he gets there and they're real weird about it and they have a party and everyone there at the party is also real weird about it and then you find out some wild shit has been going on that includes hypnotism and weird brain transplants that was excellent. that was good that was short and sweet right oh that really captured it excellently I, Truly. Thank you. I feel like I missed a lot, but I'm excited to hear what uh, I try to keep it short. Now that Chris and his girlfriend Rose have Amazing. reached the meet the parents milestone of dating, she invites him for a weekend getaway upstate with Missy and Dean. At first, Chris reads the family's overly accommodating behavior as nervous attempts to deal with their daughter's interracial relationship. But as the weekend progresses, a series of increasingly disturbing discoveries lead him to a truth that he could never have imagined. I just had my hand up the whole time. I was like, this. Like, I just had like a hand up as if to be like, don't interrupt. <laughs> I, halfway through, I was like, my hand is there. I don't know what to do with it now. <laughs> they said it more eloquently and they included names, which I like that I usually give way too many details. And this time I said, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. A man meets my woman. <laughs> it sounded like... I- was using the why use much word when you weren't too trick. Do trick. <laughs> yeah. I was like, man isn't white. They have to figure out how, why it weird. Like, <laughs> why it weird though. Why it weird though. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, whatever. I got the, I got the spirit. <laughs> um, uh, does this mean it's actually time for Nerd Corner? It is actually time for Nerd Corner. <laughs> Take this pressure off of me. <laughs> As per usual, I had a few different ideas for Nerd Corner, but this Mm -hmm. one stood out to me. Plus, there were tons of interviews with Jordan Peele, so I didn't Mm -hmm. feel like I was putting words in his mouth or trying to, like, assume his perspective. Yeah. Because there were interviews where he said his perspective. So I used So there we go. Nailed it. (laughs) So this episode's Nerd Corner thesis statement. Get Out is a social thriller that subverts the white savior trope and features an incisive critique of post-racial dialogues. I will break down each element of that. <laughs> okay, so I want to start with the term social thriller. Mm-hmm. I teased it earlier. You Slyly. You probably didn't notice. <laughs> Honestly, right over my head. I was basically <laughs> winking, like all but winking. Social thriller, you say. <laughs> she didn't wink, but I felt it. So a broadly defined social thriller is a film genre that uses elements of suspense and horror to showcase oppression in society. Jordan Peele defines it as a thriller or horror movie where the bad guy is society, not a person, but right. uh, systemic, institutional 
that sort of shit. Social thriller as a cinematic term has been used since the 70s in the US, but sparsely and not really speaking of it as like an actual genre. Mm -hmm. In the 2000s, it started to gain traction as a descriptor for new films worldwide, but wasn't broadly used or understood until 2017 when Get Out was released. Really? So this was like the first one that kind of... It's the first one that really got traction, and he personally billed it as a social thriller. Whereas in like the 70s, a lot of folks were retroactively or retrospectively rather looking at films from like the 40s and saying, ah, yes, a social thriller. Right. When really it was not made to be a social thriller. It just is now kind of thing. Yeah. So it's like understood to be a social thriller now, but it wasn't labeled that at the time because maybe the label wasn't common parlance or they didn't really see it that way. Yeah. Etc. Interesting. All right. And there actually is... A little disagreement on this, but I'll get to that in a hot second. Mm-hmm. It wasn't broadly used or understood until Get Out in 2017, for the U.S. at least. Uh, there were parallel tracks, kind of, for social thrillers in other countries, mm-hmm. notably India. I know oh. nothing about Indian cinema, but mm-hmm. apparently they had kind of like a similar um, history of having films that would qualify as social thrillers, but weren't called that until right. Pink in uh, 2014. Oh. And that's like the highest grossing movie in India. Really? Yeah. Interesting. All right, cool. Yeah. It's a courtroom drama. I'd like to check that out. Uh, Pretty heavy. It's about rape, so. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, just be aware if you want to watch Pink, it's going to be heavy. Uh, mm-hmm. That's everything I know about that one. But back to Get Out. Peel felt like horror didn't totally capture what the film was bringing to the table, so he called it a social thriller, because the evil is ultimately the system that perpetuates racism. The villains are the Armitages. Armitages? Armitages? Armitages. 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 <laughs> we all just said it like four different ways. I think it's Armitages. I, I think that's right. I'm not it's overly not... concerned with pronouncing their names right. No. You know? Fuck them. <laughs> so the villains are, you know, them and all their friends, but the ultimate evil is society. And essentially social thrillers have been around for a while, but haven't always been called that, given their due as a genre or been so popular in the mainstream. Mm-hmm. And there, of course, is the pushback that I kind of mentioned earlier. So some folks say that there doesn't need to be a separate genre or distinction between social thriller and horror, because horror has historically focused on societal ills. My argument is basically, just call it horror. You don't need to separate it out. Like, that's my understanding of what they're saying. Right. Which, because like, Dawn of the Dead, or no, what's the Romero one? Night of the Living Dead? I think that's it. So a lot of folks would say that's like a social thriller, but it wasn't like labeled that. And so like some folks argue that horror movies have been used to address societal oppression before. But Mm -hmm. I personally, like my personal Kate's opinion is that social thriller is actually a useful like genre definer. I was gonna say because not all horror is subversive. It can no. be used to like perpetuate further things. Right. Like fear of the other. So I don't think that horror like I think you could say it's a horror and a social thriller. I don't think you have to like yeah, I, separate them. I also don't think every social thriller is gonna be or no. societal thriller was it social thriller? Social thriller would be considered horror. No. Like I mean There are dramas uh, that are social thrillers. Yeah well we talked about this earlier too is mm-hmm. like Parasite. I mean that's not I would not consider that a horror movie, necessarily. It's, like, upsetting. Mm-hmm. But I would never call it, like, that's a horror movie. Yeah, but and when I went to see Parasite, everyone's like, oh, it's a horror movie, you'll love it. And so I went right. and I was like, okay, where is it happening? And I just kept waiting. <laughs> right, and I mean, and it does get buck wild, but, oh, like, I still, even when I did see it, people did tell me it was a horror movie, and then when I did watch it, I was like, I would not call that a horror movie, no. but I would call it a, a social thriller, thriller. Yep. <laughs> on its own. Regardless of opinions on terminology, this film offers an incredible and incisive look at the day realities for black folks in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And before moving on, I just want to be careful, like, 
with the way I talk about audience for the movie. Right. Because I don't want to frame it as Jordan Peele made this movie to teach white people because that's still centering whiteness. Right. I think it's better to look at it and say this is an excellent horror movie with an unflinching dissection of the many forms of racism present in our society. This movie can be cathartic for audiences who have experienced racism in any of its forms, from microaggressions to direct physical violence. And this film can be helpful for white audiences to actually empathize and start to understand the perspective of a black person in the U.S. Right. I just want to make sure that I'm not framing it personally as like Peel made this to teach white people because not everything is about us mm-hmm. or made to cater to us. So, right. On to my next point. Get Out is a subversion of the white savior convention in movies. Mm -hmm. So the phrase white savior or white savior complex refers to white people that aid non-white people in a self-serving way. Basically, it's like, thank goodness a white person was here to solve everything. Otherwise, nothing would have been solved. Pretty much. Yeah, Yeah. it's hugely patronizing, feeds back into imperialist Mm -hmm. narratives. It was... Do you remember... This just reminds me. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the movie that won Best Picture? Hidden Figures. Not Hidden Figures. The Help. Not the help. Um, it was not. It was. It was pretty recent. It was the the one about being driven. So, not driving Miss Daisy, but there's another one. See, this is why it's so confusing. There's so mm-hmm. many movies that are like this, mm-hmm. and then they win, and that's like the Academy being like, "See, we love movies that aren't always about white people." But then when you watch it, it's literally just a white person helping someone who's not white, and then they're like, "We see," and they like mm-hmm. pat themselves on the back. It mm-hmm. was that. It was one of those. It was a Green Book. Green Book. Yeah. I have a non-exhaustive list later. Oh, I'm like going sure. Through, yeah. And I remember when that won, and it was just so upsetting. Because mm-hmm. it was just like, it's just another one of those movies. Mm-hmm. And I believe, was it Spike Lee was, had Black Klansman? Was yeah. it up also for Best Picture? I don't know if it won anything. I, I don't know if it, it won anything. I just I thought know. that it was up for, it was up for something. I know he was up for something. And he lost to Green Book. And I just remember he tweeted that, like, every time someone drives someone, I lose. Because he lost to Driving Miss Daisy. Oh, my God. And it was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> just, Woof. can you just, I just, that just sucks. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, when you were giving that list, it just reminded me of Green Book. Because that was, like, the ultimate white savior mm-hmm. movie that was, like, yep. Great, here we go. It's winning again. <laughs> so, the TV tropes term for... The white savior mm-hmm. complex is white man's burden, which mm-hmm. is a callback to Rudyard Kipling's 1899 poem of the same name. Oh, no. And the poem is basically calling for the U.S. to colonize the Philippines because he views it as the quote unquote white man's burden to go on a civilizing mission and bring order and society to non-white nations. Disgusting. Again, okay. really problematic, racist yeah. in a number of ways. Jeez. And obviously settler colonialism did not start in 1899, but this nope. is where the trope got its name. Right, yeah. I'm looking at cinema. This is where I'm super excited because there's so many cool like comic dissections mm-hmm. of the white saver complex. And there's one that I found that came out in the last few months. And uh, it's on Z-Way, mm-hmm. uh, which is a series on Showtime. Uh, and she never like says her last name. There was like an NPR interview where they like said her full name. They said, but she prefers Z-Way. So yeah. I just am calling her Z-Way. Right. But she's okay. a comedian, model, I think actress as well. And she has her own show on Showtime. Hell yeah. Full episodes on YouTube. Oh. And uh, one of them, she interviews Phoebe Bridgers, mm-hmm. who had just come out with her Savior Complex music video. And it, so in this interview, Z-Way shows stills of movies featuring a white savior and asks Phoebe how she would save the black character or characters in those movies. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> so she features like a room full of kids and she's like, how would you save these kids? And she was like... Oh, I think they're doing all right. They don't need me. Like, she's just going to save these kids. So she features Dangerous Minds, The Blind Side, and La La Land. That one was, how do you save jazz? How do you save jazz? (laughs) 
an amazing interview. And I'm, I've seen bits of these yeah. interviews before. And Great. It's amazing. Oh, God. Uh, so I might have gotten distracted and watched a lot of those episodes. Okay. <laughs> Sounds about right, yeah. yeah. And then Seth Meyers also satirizes this in a faux movie trailer called White Savior, pointing out all the ways that white people centered themselves in stories ostensibly about the triumph of a black individual and just yeah. generally grossly oversimplify racism in the U.S. So in this like trailer, it's like... This movie features what white audiences love, a black character doing amazing things, and a white person that's there too. <laughs> it just like goes from there. Oh my god. <laughs> and it's just, it's amazing. Uh, so yeah. if I had to recommend like two examples of like deconstructing white savior complex, I would say Z-Way and then um, Seth Meyers' trailer I thought was really good. Yeah. Uh, awesome. And an incomplete list of the recent White Savior movies, Blindside, Cool Runnings, Freedom Riders, Glory Road, Green Book, Hardball, The Help, and Hidden Figures. Yup. Yep. <laughs> I'm glad that we got through most of them just trying yep. to picture the yep. Oscar winners. Because mm-hmm. that says a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if the trope of White Savior was played straight in Get Out, yeah. there would have been one white character that stood up for Chris and defended him and told the other white people, no, you're doing bad things. Right. And it would have been easily consumable by a white audience because they could say, yes, other people are racist, but I'm the white person that isn't. And that goes into the misconception that we're living in a post-racial society. Yeah. I'm excited to get to horror because you said that and it, it's in my notes. It was mm-hmm. like, there is a character that is portrayed as the one white character that stands mm-hmm. up for Chris. And then shit goes wild. And then so, shit goes wild. Which I'm sure most people have seen this movie, so you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. But I'll wait till we get to the horror. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So the phrase is, I don't see race, and race doesn't matter, reflect a belief that the U.S. has moved past racism. That attitude was especially prevalent after the election of Obama. So many people that I interacted with said, if racism still existed, we wouldn't have had a black president. Yeah. Oh I heard God. that a lot. And so I'm not saying that's in any way representative. I cannot speak to how many people thought that, but it right. was... A pretty prevalent uh, issue that uh, Jordan Peele actually calls the post-racial lie. um, Because it is a lie. Like, we're not a post-racial society. So it's not, like, a direct comparison by any means. But some people are like, oh, we're in a post-feminist society. Meaning that, like, women and men, binary, have gained parity. And, like, we no longer need feminism. So, anyway... Uh, we are not a post-racial society. <laughs> and right. the Armitages and Get Out say things like, I would have elected Obama a third time if I could. Best president ever. And in that way, they're standing in for the white liberal. That ostensibly well-meaning white person that is trying to show solidarity but does not understand the complexities of racism and oppression. Right. And Jordan Peele started writing this in 2008. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, the beginning of the Obama administration. He calls this period the post-racial lie. Mm-hmm. And his goal in writing this movie was to show the daily, almost mundane instances of racism that black folks encounter, yeah. rather than the hyperbolic examples shown in most white savior films. Yeah. So it's easy to see that the guy at the bar using slurs and refusing to serve a person of color is racist. That sort of display of racism is almost reassuring to white audiences because they can see that overtly racist character and say, I'm not that guy, so I'm not doing harm. Right, yeah. So Peel wanted to show what it actually looked like for black people in the U.S. Mm-hmm. We see that through the traffic stop of the cop, yeah. his reaction to all of it, and basically every single thing that is said to Chris when he's at the Armitage. Oh my god. Yeah, the estate. It goes from microaggressions of white people using African-American vernacular English to some of the guests saying things like, black is fashionable now, and genetically, if you trained in a martial art, you could be a fucking beast. Oh my god. This speaks to the fetishizing of others' marginalized communities. Yeah. And at the end, these self-professed woke people that a lot of white audiences probably related to in the beginning are literally enslaving black folks to serve themselves. Yeah. So returning to my original statement, 
Get Out critiques the notion that we're in a post-racial society through subverting the white savior trope, ultimately pointing not at individuals as villains, though they are villainous, but at society at large. It's like pointing at our society and saying, look what you've made. Look what it does to marginalized communities. You're part of this, whether you realize it or not. What are you going to do with that knowledge? And it also provides what Jordan Peele set out to do. Mm -hmm. He wanted to create a horror movie featuring a black protagonist that doesn't die and doesn't get saved by a white character. And as he said, he made the movie that he wanted to see but didn't exist yet. Mm-hmm. He even said that he was afraid that the film would be too divisive. And he also considered changing the ending. So on the Amazon Prime version, there's an alternate ending. Is there? Yep. And it's uh, Chris Goes to Jail. <gasps> yep. I. That's so funny. Okay, I haven't seen this ending. Mm. And I didn't know about it. Yeah. But I remember I was watching it, obviously, because I've seen it before, but I had to watch it again for this. And I was watching it and I went, it's just nice that like he doesn't go to jail because that's mm-hmm. what I expected. In a sad way, I was just like, that's what society would do. Is like, no mm-hmm. matter what the proof said, they would have blamed Chris mm-hmm. and they would have taken him. So I was like, oh, it's just nice that they didn't do that. I didn't know that that was the, oh my God, that's, oh, yeah. that would have been a tough, like. <laughs> yeah, he was afraid that the original ending would keep it from being produced because you would see a black man killing a white family which yeah. was totally justified because 100%. they were trying to murder his soul, basically. Right. And he was doing all of it in self-defense to get away. But Peel was afraid that it would be divisive and it wouldn't be produced with that ending. But obviously, that ending you know, right, stuck. Right, yeah. And it was hugely successful. <laughs> so wait, he thought that it would be more successful if he did end up going to jail? Or he thought that... He thought it which He thought producers wouldn't pick it up if mm-hmm. it ended the way it currently does. Really? Yeah. So he had an alternative ending because he was afraid that oh if it God. ended the way it actually does, that people wouldn't produce it. That sucks. Yeah. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I thought you were saying the other ending was too divided. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. No. Wow. So, yeah, he had that, like, other ending because he was like, well, you Just know... Just in case, like, they... Oh, my God. Yeah. I would have been... So he had all these, oh yeah, (laughs) so he had all these fears of it being like divisive or not saleable or whatever, but he says now that it actually serves as a unifying movie. So here's a quote directly from him in Mm -hmm. an interview. I thought I'd lose black people because we're victims in the movie and that's hard to watch. That's not fun. Maybe I'd lose white people because white people are the villains in the movie. That would be an assault. But I stuck with it. And one of the most fulfilling and validating things was to see how an audience would sort of go in with their different preconceived notions on what the film was. But by the middle, they were all Chris. They were all the main character. He also expanded on that when he said, The power of story is that it is one of the few ways we can really feel empathy and encourage empathy. Built into the idea of a story is that you have a protagonist. When you have a protagonist, the whole trick that all of us are trying to do is bring the audience behind their eyes. A well-crafted story, a good story, is one of the few ways that we can really not tell somebody you have to feel for somebody else, but make somebody feel because they're experiencing it through entertainment. Mm-hmm. So in future nerd corners, I'll probably dive into like empathy through horror. Yeah. Kind of like what I talked about last week. Little, yeah, Just yeah, very yeah. kind of around the edges. But this week I felt like Get Out paved the way for the social thriller genre and I want to tackle that. Yeah. And I obviously did not cover all facets of the movie because it's way more than just like a simple trope subversion. But, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but there's was, a lot to it. So much. But that was the piece that I wanted to pull out for a deeper dive. Yeah. So that's Society. Uh, which is in itself a horror. But yeah, now I can honestly, talk about filmic horror. It's like, this whole thing is probably a little bit of a horror, <laughs> to be mm-hmm. honest. Well, I mean, I kind of said in the beginning, it was just, I love this movie mm-hmm. quite a bit. And I have notes. <laughs> yes. Um, I take my notes weird. I just do bullet points, and then I have to, like, 
figure out what I meant when I said it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I wrote my very first note was, um, so if you haven't seen the movie, I, I recommend watching it, one, before you listen to this. But if you're not, I'll just say the, the thing in the movie that causes like the horror or the action that happens is uh, hypnotism. Mm-hmm. So Rose's mother is like a hypnotist. It's said that she is a hypnotist to help you quit, like, smoking or drinking or some kind of vice that you have, like, just to get you to stop. Well, Chris smokes, and he is basically just, like, attacked verbally, like, come here, come sit down, like, blah, 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 and is hypnotized, like, against his will, and with almost, like, without his knowledge. He doesn't know what's happening until it's too late. Um, And I wrote this note and then realized that it just continues throughout the movie, um, when he's hypnotized, his eyes don't match his words. And it's so unsettling. And I was like, wow, that's a really interesting thing. Um, if you notice, like, he's crying, uh, but his eyes aren't, you know, moving. He's not blinking a lot. It's not. And his mouth is just saying the story of how his mother died. Yeah. Without a lot of emotion in his eyes or anything. Because he's, he's just. In place. Yeah, because he's doing it against his will. So it's like his eyes are fighting and don't want to do this, but his mouth has really no choice but to just say it. So I was like, oh, that's really interesting that he did that. But then if you watch every single character in the movie who has gone through this has the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm horrible with names. I think the... Georgina and Walter. Georgina and Walter. Um, So Georgina is similar where you can see a bit of her real actual personality and like soul peeking through of her eyes where she's crying, but her mouth is smiling and saying, no, 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 no. Like we're good. We're fine. Mm -hmm. But her eyes are just crying and they're crying out for help and trying to get Chris to see. But like, why would you know, you know? And Walter's similar where he's like running at him. I, I think, see, it's hard to say if that's supposed to be, who he is now or who he was in his like actual life is that him like running away like he doesn't know i was unsure but he has the same look in his eye that is like just go like <laughs> get out of here but a lot obviously. of readings of that like running scene was that it's rose's grandfather like rejoicing in his speed because that's, there is that yeah. story about the runner right so yeah. that's kind of what i assumed is yeah. like him running but you can see in his eyes he looks angry mm-hmm. he looks upset uh-huh and it's just him being like, I don't want to do this anymore. Stop. So it's basically just like your eyes and your brain and your mind fighting against what someone else is making you do. This whole movie, mm-hmm. which I'm sure is what a lot of black folks in America go through, is mm-hmm. having to change themselves or do what they have to do to fit in and make white people feel comfortable. Yep. And so that was just, it's just, it happens through the whole movie and it's amazing. Like, it's just the acting is absolutely incredible. So that was the first thing I wrote was about his eyes. And Mm -hmm. then I noticed that it continued and I was like, cool. So that must have been something they all did. And that's really well done. Mm -hmm. Um, They also did a really good job of making Rose feel like the exception, Mm -hmm. which is obviously the point because it's supposed to lull you into this false sense of security as like, oh, no, no, no. There is a white savior. It's Rose. She's Mm -hmm. here to help. And Rose is very much like, oh, my God, they did what? Oh, my God, my family said that? Oh my, and then when she stands up to the police officer, you're like, oh, see, she she totally has his best interest in heart. And she doesn't, obviously, as you find out. And it's such a quick turn that it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, he asks for the keys. And you can tell, I think, he knows at that point because he's found the pictures of her with 
multiple people that he's that she has dated. Mm-hmm. Um, all of them are black. All of them are black. And she and said all that of them... he was the first black person she dated. Right. So immediately he's like, this is bullshit. I don't know what's happening, but I know that she is somehow involved in this. And just the slow, like, she's crying, fumbling for the keys. And he's like, Rose, I need the keys. And you just hear her go, you know, I can't do that, babe. And it's just this instant. And her face changes. Her face changes so fast. And it's just so upsetting. And it was so cool to see the first time. Because I actually did not know that Rose was in on it, obviously, until you see the photos. And I was like, what? No way. And then when she's like fumbling with the keys, I was like, well, maybe she doesn't realize or something. Like I was like, maybe. And then she obviously does that. And I'm like, <gasps> like mm-hmm. when I first saw it, I was like, Rose, <laughs> how could you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that was an amazing moment that freaked me out because she does it so fast. Ugh, mm-hmm. It was so creepy. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny because I didn't really get to notice a lot of camera work and lighting because mm. I was so into the story, which as you know, doesn't happen that often. I get very into, like, everything. But this story is just so good. Mm-hmm. And it's so... It's it's wild. Like, it's just a lot to take in, too. So you're just like, wow. <laughs> so it's hard to focus on anything. But I will say the one thing I did notice is that, like, the sunken place is... It's like space. But also, it's like space. It's not water. It's not space. It's this other, like, lonely world, mm-hmm. which reminded me. It's like an in-between for people of just, like, I'm not fitting into what you want me to be, so mm-hmm. I'm in this weird space that I don't want to be in kind of thing. Um, so that was scary. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. The robotic conversations with the old-timey-sounding language and tone. Mm-hmm. Terrifying. Because um, it's just, like, it just didn't fit didn't fit at all with what was happening or where they were, what time period it was. It was just like, ugh. Because you don't know at that point what's happening. So you don't know why they talk like that, but it's so creepy. Ugh. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, that was really it. Oh, the subtle questions they asked Chris at the party. Mm, that's in tropes later. Oh, they, it, it was just terrifying. Mm-hmm. Especially because when you first watch it, it's obviously just like, oh, these are like, microaggressions from white people this is just like what they go through this is horrible so it's already shitty mm-hmm. then you watch it again knowing what's actually happening the golf and it's guy like, that wants better hips yes and the, the woman who like feels his arm and is just like oh so attractive and mm-hmm. you're just like oh my god mm-hmm. yeah it's a thousand times more upsetting at that point mm-hmm. ew like uh, i said it's almost scarier watching it when you know the twist and then okay this is the last one of my notes that silent moment where chris goes upstairs or and they all leaves and they all stop talking because they know they say oh well he's leaving it's time like it's time to deliberate decide who gets to uh keep him like that's just it's so creepy disgusting and also just an amazing use of sound mm-hmm. because like you get that ambient party sound mm-hmm. and then it's just immediately done yep oh i love sound design and that part was incredible this movie had amazing sound design and obviously the acting in the dialogue was so good. One of my favorite moments in this movie, like there are so many good moments. The one that stood out to me during today's rewatch mm-hmm. is when Rose is on the phone with Rod yeah. and she sounds like she's super upset. Yes. Her face is stone. Yeah. Like she has no expression. It's just void of emotion or humanity. And she's like, oh, I'm so confused. Like I'm, I'm scared. So confused. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't know. And yep. But her face is completely. Oh my yep. god. And that's speaking back to like 
she makes those comments like because he starts asking questions that she doesn't want to answer because right. like she knows that he's onto them and uh she's like i see the way you look at me i know you want to fuck me and it's right. like he gets flustered and mad because he like knows that she's doing something wrong and he's also like no i don't like i don't want to know right and that's like a callback to the lynching of black men where it's talking about like this basically lynching was legal if it was for raping a white woman right and so the accusation of like a black man raping a white woman first of all trigger warning uh most rapes occur within the same race Mm -hmm. the exception is indigenous women who are more likely to be raped by white people right um but it's like obviously a myth but it was a myth that was perpetuated to continue enacting violence against black communities. And so, like, this is just speaking to that, where she's accusing him right. of ogling her. And she knows what she's doing, like, obviously. Right. And so it's just another level. Yeah, it's just, like, a way to get him to stop doing what... Mm-hmm. Just to do what she wants, basically. Yep. Which was to just stop asking questions. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Upsetting. Like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she... Whoever... This actress is... Allison Williams. A terrifying face in a beautiful way. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yes. Like, she's gorgeous, she's beautiful, but, like, the the absolute blankness in her face when she does things scared the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? What? Where's your emotions? And her clothing changes. Oh, her yeah. Her hair changes. Mm-hmm. Like, she just becomes this, like, severe, very white, very straightforward, like, literally wearing khakis and a white polo. Khakis like, and a white polo. And she's eating the Fruit Loops. Separately from the milk. Which I think they said they asked... I rem- did you see this? I don't remember. They were like, what's the meaning behind that? And he was just like, I just thought, what's the weirdest fucking thing you could do? And it was that. It was just eating Fruit Loops one by one. And she's like, like She like nibbling. bites it in half. Yeah, she like nibbles on one Fruit Loop and then takes like so many sips she of milk. She takes like three unique sips of milk yeah. with a straw. Yeah, with her straw. And I'm like, oh, one, what are you doing? That's fucking weird. But two, why so many sips of milk and so little Fruit Loop? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like it's like half a Fruit Loop. There's so many. The ratio is wrong. <laughs> the ratio was so wrong. There's so yeah. many horrors in this movie, mm-hmm. and that I will include because why so many sips of milk? It's just one of those like unsettling yes. things that is just it, it just catches a, you, yeah. and you're like, mm-hmm. it's a teeny tiny little throwaway moment mm-hmm. that like you remember because you're like, that's not right. You're like, it's not wrong, I mm-hmm. guess, but it's not right. Oh my god, this movie was scary. Um. And, like, it seems to be whenever there was, like, a more, like, frightening moment specifically, like, for Chris or, like, Georgina or, like, you know, it's always very blue, I noticed. Mm. And I I didn't know, I couldn't really pinpoint, like, a reason behind it other than just, like, it's sad. Like, (laughs) which I know that there's probably more to it, but it just seemed very blue in the moments that were, like, like, if you look back on Chris's memories of like his mom and he's watching the tv it's very blue and very like lit aggressively like you know it's got that like rim lighting all around um but then the moments with like the families it's very bright and very happy and like maybe a way of like subverting the trope again like you said like you're like oh no they're they're white they're happy aren't they having a great time and mm-hmm. the, it's such warm lighting it's so inviting and nice but it's fucking not and yeah so Maybe that was it. I'm not sure, like, thematically about the lighting in the movie, but I do know that, like, there are several films and TV shows that do an incredible job with lighting, specifically with black actors. Yes. 
Because, like, I'm sure you know this, being, like, an art person, mm-hmm. but, like, the ways that film cameras were designed were on white people. And right. so, like, the way that they capture light around faces is, is skewed for whiteness. Exactly. And so, like, lighting mm-hmm. black faces is an understudied art by white filmmakers. Yes. And so Insecure, the TV show, mm-hmm. and Pariah, and I think the Moonlit, what's the one called, that won? Oh. Uh... Where they thought La La Land won, but it was actually... Oh, Moonlight. Moonlight. I was like, Moonlit. Got it. (laughs) If you notice, Moonlight also is very blue and very... Mm -hmm. I mean, these are colors that like... So it's like a way of lighting. Yeah. Yeah. It's like... It's just... And I I had that in my notes as well. It was like... It's clearly lighting that is like complementing to skin tones that aren't white. Yeah. And, you know, it's just interesting to see too. Because you don't always get that a lot of times. You rarely do. Very rarely you have people who are conscious of that at all. Mm -hmm. Because, like, I feel like people just don't – either don't care, don't take the time to care that, like, everybody's skin is going to look different under certain lights. Mm -hmm. And if you have a cast that all look very similar and you're like, well, we can use the same light. This is great. If you have anyone who doesn't, Mm -hmm. it's going to not look good on that person. It's going to look different. And some people just don't fucking care. Yeah. And – yeah, so I wondered if maybe it was just that or if it had more of a meaning yeah. to it. But either way, it was just, it was nice to see, like, someone who clearly thought it through and knew mm-hmm. that, like, this is important and I'm going to, like, take this into consideration when mm-hmm. I actually do this. So, yeah. It was yeah. interesting. Uh, so, when I was going through Nerd Corner, mm-hmm. I thought about doing, like, the whole Oscars and horror movies things, specifically, yeah. like, Oscars and, like, the way they approached this movie. And I found a quote made me so mad oh boy oh boy so mad i whispered uh so basically it's this hollywood reporter article Mm. where they get anonymous like quotes from someone on the oscar nominating committee and this like (sighs) they get them Hmm? fuck that committee though Oh, sincerely (laughs) like but there's like 1700 people on this committee or something but they talked to a few of them and had like a series where they asked them about like how they chose best picture or like how they chose nominations for best picture Mm -hmm. and so this person listed like a bunch of different movies and then this is this is what she had to say about get out oh i bet yeah Then I eliminated Get Out. It's a good B-movie, and I enjoyed it. But what bothered me afterwards was that instead of focusing on the fact that this was an entertaining little horror movie that made quite a bit of money, they started trying to suggest it had deeper meaning than it does. And as far as I'm concerned, they played the race card, and that really turned me off. In fact, at one of the luncheons, the lead actor, who is not from the United States, he's British, was giving us a lecture on racism in America and how black lives matter. And I thought, what does this have to do with Get Out? They're trying to make me think that if I don't vote for this movie, I'm a racist. I was really offended. That sealed it for me. (laughs) Yeah. This movie was made for you, idiot. Like, you, out of all people who need to watch this movie, it's you. And you didn't even catch it. Uh, It was enraging because like, (laughs) so much of what she does, like just setting up that was belittling an entertaining little horror movie. Okay. First of all, it was an entertaining B movie that's Mm. made for, and oh my God, like this movie is beautiful. It is beautifully shot. It is beautifully written. And Jordan Peele took a lot of like content or elements that would be considered like a B movie plot, but then he elevated it to like this incredible piece of art. Exactly. And also we haven't talked about this yet, but this movie like, we thought that American Werewolf in London did a good job blending humor and, yeah. you know, horror. This one knocks it out of the park oh, 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it was so subtle. 
that the moments that I was laughing, I was like, oh, mm-hmm, that, oh, oh, like, I didn't know this was so funny. And then immediately it flips it on you and is like, is that funny? And you're like, oh shit, is it funny? Like, I don't know. You tell me. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. it was just great. I never knew if I was like, like, there are moments where something frightening is happening, but it's just the reaction from certain characters that make you like uncomfortable and you laugh because you're like, I, I, I don't know what, what would happen in this situation. And they are handling it in such a funny way. But what's happening is not funny. It was great. I mm-hmm. So this woman can absolutely just fuck off. Oh, truly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, do you have her name? <laughs> I'm going to put her on blast. Dude, I wish. It was Dude. like, you know, under the condition that it's anonymous. And I was just livid. Listen, I'm going to just take a moment real quick. I don't know who you are. I don't know your name. And I don't know why you wrote what you did. But if you ever listen to this podcast, just stop. It's not for you, okay? (laughs) Our little cute horror podcast, our sweet little bee podcast is not for you. (laughs) You don't get to enjoy it. You don't get it. So just whoever you are, fuck off. And I hope you never, ever talk about movies again. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you ass. And they have a say in the Academy Awards. That's what makes me so mad, Mm -hmm. is that you know that she's not the only one who has this opinion. So Mm -mm. movies like this and many other, like, genres and all these things, and especially, like, directors who are not white and directors who are not men, won't get a chance. They won't. Because people like her will have a fucking say like that and everyone will listen. Oh, my God. I'm I'm all heated now. There was, like, the Oscars (laughs) so white thing and, like, 2014 or 15 yeah. I'm really bad at time and it's like some folks have been like oh you know a director of color won for the first time ever like it's healed but it's not it's not healed and it's like, like the parody is still like I don't know 33 percent or I don't I'm not gonna get into numbers right now first of all because I'm bad at them but also <laughs> because yeah. like, the Oscars were never made to be no. friendly to anyone that isn't white or a man so it's like why some people argue why are we wasting time trying to redeem this institution or save it why don't we just put more energy into the bet awards why don't oh, yeah. we just put like, more energy like, into these other things i, I just like at this point it's just kind of like fuck the oscars oh yeah they're never going to get to where they need to be and also it's like they weren't made to do that anyway so no. fuck them why don't we just do something else like no. there are so many other award ceremonies and things that give awards to movies and music and like play all these things and that deserve one, a it. shit ton of them <laughs> yeah like Oscars, fuck off. Yep. <laughs> this podcast not for you either. Committee, none of you are allowed here. None of you are allowed here. Our party, our rules. I, I said what I said. <laughs> <laughs> this movie got me all got me all mad. Oh no! Like I read that and I almost changed my nerd corner to be just about that. I was like, we've just done about enough. This Listen, I was like, we've done enough marketing, it. and I really want to speak to like what Jordan Peele talked yeah, about. Exactly. He wanted I was the like, movie to be. Like you said, like let's not highlight the voice of someone yeah. who doesn't deserve it. Yep. I feel bad for ranting about it for so long <laughs> already. That's just shitty. But <sighs> Jordan Peele, you're always welcome in our podcast. <laughs> Jordan Peele is welcome anytime. Yeah, seriously. The, oh my God, this movie was so amazing. And obviously like we're going to cover us at some point. Oh yeah. And I can't wait because that movie's also so it's really good. good. Um, and I, I've, this is not an exact quote. And if you have this quote anywhere, find it. It's great. But somebody I remember asked him like, well, are you ever going to put more white people in your movie? Like, why does it always have to be black people? And he was just like, why, why do all your movies have to have white people? Yeah. Like, it was like, ask yourself that. Like, yes. why are you so upset that my movie doesn't have enough white people? Yeah. And it's just 
He's so wild. Like refusing to center the people that have been centered in every movie for how many decades? I don't know how long film has been around. I'm really bad at time. (laughs) A century. (laughs) Yeah, it's mostly just upsetting that like the main thing that he has to like hoops and stuff he has to jump through is people just being like, why no? Why not more white people? And it's like, because not every movie needs that. Like, (laughs) There was uh, a question asked of Z-Way. An NPR reporter asked her this, and I was kind of surprised. Um, But I guess I really shouldn't be surprised. But but basically, she had, like, a TV show or, like, a series. I don't remember what it was Mm -hmm. on. But it was called, like, Baited, I think. Mm. And so it was talking about race. And uh, the person was like, well, you know, you use comedy and you're baiting people into it, do you think that's really the best way to tackle these issues? And she was like, I don't think I understand your question. And he was like, well, you're baiting people. Do you really think, like, is that what you think is the best way? And she was like, I think using comedy is it. And she went on to give, like, an answer that basically ignored how insulting this question was. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. It was pretty bullshit. And, Yikes. yeah. Like, yeah. And it's just, it speaks to this movie a lot, too, that, like, when talking about the horror of this movie, these are the things we end up talking about because that is what this movie, like, that's mm-hmm. why it's so upsetting is yeah. that, like, these are, like, obviously, I'm not going to say obviously because, like, listen, weird shit happens in the world. People aren't being hypnotized. You know, like, we're not transplanting brains into people, but they are experiencing these microaggressions, like, mm-hmm. every single day. Mm-hmm. And, like, and, like, obviously way fucking more than that, too. But, like, that's what's so scary is that, like, it's so real for people who watch this. And I'm just yeah. like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And I watched it. And I'm, I mean, I'm a white woman. Like, this movie, obviously, I'm not going to take away the same thing. Mm-mm. But, like, that, yeah, it's it's a good movie. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have anything else to say except that I just fucking love it. I, <sighs> I'm a fan of this movie. I'm I, a fan of this I movie. I think it's pretty safe to say I'm a fan of this movie and just Jordan Peele in general. Yeah, Jordan Peele is just, like, so incredibly talented and also mm. so fucking funny. Like, so funny. <laughs> watching him on Mad TV, because obviously, you know, I used to watch Mad TV, I said in the beginning. I loved Mad TV, so I knew Jordan Peele from, like, that. Then I knew him from, like, Kean Peele. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this guy's so funny. And so when this movie came out, I, I think I was still working at the theater. I'm, I think I was. And if I wasn't, I was just about to start. But... I was working in theater, so I, I remember seeing all the promotions for this movie, and I was like, oh, interesting. It's it's Jordan Peele. Like, I bet this is going to be, like, a really funny, like, good movie. Like, I bet it's going to be... I'm trying to think of another movie that's just, like, mostly comedy. Um, I'm sure there's some, but I thought it was going to... Like, Shaun of the Dead. Okay. <laughs> I was expecting it to be... Oh, God! <laughs> I've never seen it. I was just like, what's a comedy you haven't seen, Kate? And you chose Malka? <laughs> I don't know weirdest thing you've ever done I've never seen Shrek <laughs> um no like Shaun of the Dead is in it's like it's just funny yes like obviously there are moments where you're like ooh zombies but for the most part you're just there to laugh so I was expecting that even the way it was marketed I was like yeah like it looks kind of scary but I, I bet it's gonna be like really funny it's Jordan Peele and then I saw it and I was like oh <laughs> Once I heard the music after the opening sequence, I was like, this is what the movie the is. Music. I'm here for it. The music's incredible. So and it's just so fucking good. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting that he chose someone who was like a genuine like composer for like symphonies because you needed that like 
very dramatic sound, mm-hmm. and it worked so well. Mm-hmm. The sound design in this movie was so, so good. It was um, really good. Um, but yeah, I wrote music was incredible. Um, I was expecting it to be funny, and then it, and it still is, but it's it's not like just a laugh riot. No, which is great because like I only knew him from funny things. So to see this, I was like, this is one talented man. Like holy shit. Yep. <laughs> And there was, like, after um, Get Out, for a while he was saying, like, in interviews, you know, I intend to have at least four more movies on social ills, like, a different one each time. Right. And then around the time that Us was released, he was more like, you know what, I really just want to have a horror movie that isn't about race. It's just about yeah. a black family. And it's just, like, put it's not about the fact that they are a black family, but right. it is a black family at the center, and they are the protagonists. And so he was like... Basically, in this interview, he was like, so not everything's about race, but everything's about race. I have it both ways. Bam. (laughs) But, you know. I I remember, I don't know if I read that exact thing, but I remember reading an article similar to that where someone was like, I want to see a horror movie that is just like a nice, regular, like, horror movie, but the family in it or the main character can be black Mm -hmm. without the evil in the movie being being racism. racism. Yep. Because if you noticed after Get Out came out, there are a lot of movies that are doing this, a lot of shows that are doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not going to say that it's like they're bad for doing this. And I'm not going to say they're copycats because like there's a lot of racism in the world. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you could make... a lot of people have stories to tell about it. Exactly. And so like I'm not going to sit here and say you shouldn't tell that story. Yeah. Because you 100% should. Like I'm sure it's a great story. Not a great story. But I mean like (laughs) an important story to tell. Um. But it is nice that people are starting to be like, I want to see a horror movie that's just like a regular horror movie. Mm -hmm. I don't want this person to have to like experience all of this racism. Why can't they just make a horror movie that's just a horror movie? Mm -hmm. So yeah. And and he said that, right? That's what he said. So like, like, that's what us was supposed to be. And that's great. Cause that's, yeah. yeah. And it's, I hope that we get more like that. I Mm -hmm. hope that us and like other things open the door to be like it doesn't always have to like like just it just almost feels like when they make movies like that continually that it's saying this is people's whole lives yeah and we don't focus on black joy we only focus on black death yeah yeah yeah. so it's like and obviously i understand it's a big part of life unfortunately but it's sometimes nice to see a movie that's like we know that that's not the only part of your life yep so it's a rough episode, so we're sorry, everybody. It's, but, but that's that's the horror of this movie, yeah. and oh, yeah, it's well done. I think that one of the things I appreciate most about this movie is like, yes, you empathize with the main character, but you also see yourself in the antagonist. Yes, in those like, you know, self-professed woke people. Yeah, where it's like you're uncomfortable because you're like. I have been that person. Oh, 100%. And I am not the protagonist in this scene. And so nope. it's like, it's really uncomfortable. And I think that's so valuable <laughs> to it experience. It 100% is. Because yeah, like, there are times where like, they would say things and I'd be like, oh, yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I am not meant to be Chris in this moment. Nope. Like 100%. <laughs> it's like, nope, I fucked up in that way. <laughs> yep. There are a lot of moments where I'm like, I'm not Chris right now. Mm-mm. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. And I would say there's probably very few moments. <laughs> like, um, I... It's cool. It was cool that you could... And like he said, like, you want to empathize with the character. It's like, that's how horror does it, is like, it does a good job of letting you empathize yes. with the character through the experience, which in some ways it did. Because, like, 
when Chris is being like stabbed in the hand. Yeah, in that moment, you could be like, oh man, if I was stabbed in the hand, I'd probably do something similar. But then there are moments when he's experiencing like racism where you're like, yep. I, I myself can't speak to that. Yeah. This is not for me in this moment. Yeah. I am not supposed to see myself here. No. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was cool. It was just a cool movie where you could, you could see yourself in both parties and be like, oh, yep. <laughs> yikes. Yep. That's what made it so scary. <laughs> oh, for sure. Are you ready for tropes? Oh my god, yes. Okay, okay, okay. So I think I mentioned this one in one of our earlier episodes, like in the first five, mm-hmm. but I never actually talked about it. I just mentioned that I had like seen it when I was yeah. scrolling through and it's called And I Must Scream. And it's like the little comic that they use for this page on TV Tropes yeah. is this like blob. And it's like, I have no mouth, but I must scream. <laughs> so it's... A uh, really lighthearted, like, comic for a really dark trope. Oh, no. A lot of them are. But it's basically, like, this fate worse than death of being trapped in your own body. Yeah. And so there's, like, this understanding of it's, like, this immortality that you can't escape and you didn't want. And Oof. so it's, like, the folks in the sunken place are, like, oh, that's trapped. Absolutely terrifying mm-hmm. to me to just be in that space that has nothing there. Mm-hmm. And they have to watch their body being used. And they retain enough consciousness to be aware of how much it sucks and how trapped they are and how they're being used. So it's like, that's the and I must scream trope. That's, oh God, it's one of the scariest things. It's seeing, just seeing things through that little window. Mm -hmm. You're so far away and it, oh, it's so scary. And then the next one is animal motifs. So there's this Mm. recurring presence of deer. Yeah. So there's the car exit with the deer, uh, Dean's rant when he's talking about how deer are pests and everything, whatever. It's an interesting rant. It is. Uh, lots of things to read into there. Yep, exactly. And then there's the, um, God, what's it called? When you taxidermy. It's a taxidermy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was like, the mantelpiece. And I was like, it's more than that. It's a taxidermy <laughs> deer head. <laughs> and he uses it to stab Dean in the throat. Yes. Um, and so it's like, Dean was ranting about how we should exterminate deer. And then he was later impaled by deer. Uh, and that leads to several different impaled tropes later. <laughs> Then we have the auction of evil. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so it's basically like... That scene's fucked. Yeah. So it seems like a super, um, like, innocuous thing. Like, oh, it's a silent auction for this. And then you realize it's for Chris's body. Oh, God. Uh, And then there's actually also, um, like, a freeze frame bonus or a rewatch bonus in that. The one non-white character in that scene is a Japanese man. Yes. And all of them have bingo cards that have different colored circles on them. So like blue, red, green. These are the only ones that are yellow. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then we have the good old bait and switch. Happens a lot. Right. Uh, And then we also have one called bait the dog. And so this is kind of like a mix of bait and switch with a combination of pet the dog and kick the dog. And so kick the dog is this trope where it's like this villain that kicks a dog like they're irredeemably evil. Yeah. It's just this act that they do just to show they're evil for fun, whatever. Right. Pet the dog is someone having a moment of like there's this uh, villainous character, but they do a kind thing. Oh, The bait the dog is where they do a kind thing so that just to you think they're good. And then they, yeah. Rose. (laughs) You bitch. (laughs) This is, like, not allowing the officer to ID Chris. Right. I mean, a lot of points, but, like, also right here, because ostensibly she's calling out racial profiling. Right. But it's actually, it could be read so that there isn't documentation that he was with her. <gasps> because he no. got Yeah, because she, like, showed him her license, and the cop was definitely, like, you know, being awful. Uh, but there's another, another, another <laughs> reading of that where it's, like, the cop 
may have asked for Chris's ID so that he could see if he was one of the missing people. Oh my gosh, yeah. I'm not inclined to read it that way, but it's a potential reading. Right, I was like, I, I wouldn't because read it, it that way. Well, especially yeah. because, I mean... Because it seemed like racial profiling. Seems like racial profiling. Yeah. Wow, that, I could not get that out of my mouth. Yeah. Racial profiling. Um, it seemed like that as well, but also... Uh, notice how nobody noticed that, uh, what's his name? I always forget. Um, the Andre? The, Andre. Mm-hmm. No one noticed Andre was missing, really. Yeah. Like, took that's it to the police. Me, yeah. They didn't really notice because that's what happens when yep. people of color go missing. Yep. They don't get the attention that white people do. Yeah, that's <laughs> so the exploitation of the missing white woman trope where it's yes. like, so like, because they're not a missing white woman, they don't get media attention. So I wouldn't read it like that just because like, it's yeah. a white cop. Why yep. would he fucking know? Exactly. So... So in this moment, it could be read as like a bait the dog where Rose is like, oh no, you're racial profiling like my boyfriend. Like, don't, like, get back, you racist. I couldn't be evil. I would never. Yeah. Rose? Yeah. (laughs) Fucking Rose. Uh, There's also Chekhov's gun. We have that in basically every heart. I know. It's like in everything. Listen, it's good. We'll just go ahead, put a little thing. It's probably going to be in all of them, all right? Yep. (laughs) Uh, Conveniently an orphan. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Might be why he was chosen by Rose. Uh, I know. I know. (laughs) Then there's creepy souvenir. So Rose's box of photos. Ugh. Why would you keep those? Uh, Trophies. I know. I know. It's like I know why, but I'm also like, why? Yeah. (laughs) Then there's one called Dead Man Honking. (laughs) (laughs) It's the trope when like someone's in a car accident and their head hits the steering wheel and it honks. And it's usually to draw attention to the fact that this person has passed and they are honking the horn because they cannot. But, like, the name of the trope is ridiculous. Why? When you said that, the first Goose honk? Yes! (laughs) I immediately, I went, probably a car horn. But then my brain went, could be a goose. (laughs) Could be a goose. It wasn't a goose. Uh Imagine just a a man being like, (laughs) ah! Okay, okay. Oh, I love that. Okay, okay, uh, okay. And then we've had this one a lot. Mm-hmm. Does this remind you of anything? Right, yeah. The auction. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, and then there's dying as yourself. So Walter, when he takes over, right. he's no longer Grandpa Armitage. Oof, Armitage, God. whatever. Um, and then, ooh, this one was really cool. I don't remember if I caught this on the second watch, but I definitely caught it this time, which is my third time seeing it. <laughs> uh, so it's exact words. And so when Dean is talking about Walter and Georgina and he's walking um, Chris like through the grounds, he's like, hey... Like, I'm sure you noticed, yeah. black servants, white family, that's really gross. And Chris is like, oh, well, I wasn't going to take it there. And Dean's like, oh, you don't have to. Like, I know that it's a bad look. Well, what happened is that Walter and Georgina were hired to take care of my ailing parents when they were old. And after they died, I couldn't let them go. Yeah. And literally. you can read He's it two ways. telling him. <gasps> uh-huh. <gasps> yeah. And so it's those exact words. Ew. Yeah. And so that's just like one of the several moments. And one of them... I think I read was actually accidental. So he's going through and he's like, oh, the basement, we blocked it off because there's black mold. Molding <gasps> black people to fit the white. Yeah, it's really, that one was an accident. Jordan Peele was just like, oh, that's funny. But uh, yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah. I cannot, oh my God. I I mean, I rewatched it and I knew what the thing was when he said I couldn't let them go. I still was like, oh, <laughs> didn't even catch it that's terrifying it's like oh i couldn't let go these like employees you or i could them. not let my parents go and so i put them in someone else's body oh i was thinking like he literally couldn't let them go because he needed them for yep. this three oh. ways to read it uh then there's the expository hairstyle change so rose no longer has like the bangs <laughs> and the wavy flowy hair and now she has a, a severe ponytail <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's such 
a bad look. It's such a bad look. It's such a bad look. Yeah. Uh, then there's facial dialogue. And so it's when like no words are exchanged. Someone is right. acting with their face and communicating with someone through facial expression. This movie was full of it. And oh, it's incredible. yeah. Yeah. And so one of the, like the picture that they use on the trope page is, um, I love Lucy. Because yeah, she like acts yeah, with yeah. her face like crazy pants. Who did, um, do you know who Daniel Kaluuya lost to by chance in the Oscars? Nope. Well, whoever it was does not act with their face nearly as well. He's, oh my God. I, he's done such a good job. I was he's really a proud of that actor. He is talented. He, I also watched his SNL monologue. It was really good. Really? Yeah. It was really I funny. Watch that. I watch that. He's great. I just, so talented. And it's so weird to like hear his British accent. Because I know. I've only seen him as an American, like in movies. I so know. it's like, I never knew that he was British until yeah. someone like mentioned it. I, yeah, um, I always forget. And then I hear him talk and I'm like, oh yeah, he's British. <laughs> and he's and he makes a joke about it at the beginning, Does saying, he? like, I'm sure you're surprised that I'm British because I'm black. And so he's like, I'm black <laughs> and I'm British. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so damn, it's so funny. Yeah. Uh, the next verb is fet worse than death. So fet is French for party, um, but also like a fate worse than death. So party a party. Worse than yeah. Death? So generally, this is like, um, it can be part of the trope, Town with a Dark Secret, but it's like this big event or parade oh, or block party yeah. that seems super innocent, but it becomes horrific for that unfortunate soul that doesn't know what's happening. Right. And so that's his entire existence at the party with everyone because everyone else knows that they're going to auction for his body later Ew. and oh he God. doesn't know. Uh, then there's fighting from the inside. That's right. Walter and Georgina where mm-hmm. like you can tell and that Andre they're trying. Too, and Andre. Yeah. And, um, he's also so fucking talented. Yeah, like, he is. Yeah. yeah. I love him. <laughs> and then one example beyond like the facial things, uh, Georgina is probably the person that placed the box of photos where Chris would find them. <gasps> yep. Dang. That's how a lot of different people are reading that one. I, yeah, I mean, oh yeah. Cause why would it be there? Like, I mean, Rose is fucking the worst, but she's probably not stupid enough to leave it. Mm-mm. Georgina. Uh, then there's the get out title drop moment mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, the Gilligan cut so this is called that because it's like the Gilligan's Island cut mm-hmm. where it's like under no circumstances will I do this thing immediately cuts to them doing that thing uh, <laughs> so in this case it's Chris going back for Georgina after she's hit by the car because he's like yeah. no don't do it don't go back and then you see him getting out of the car and pulling her in remembering because the his mom, mom. His mom yeah. Yeah. Uh, this one is a god am I the coagula cultists think they'll outlive the sun like they have this Sense of grandiose. Right. Uh, gory discretion shot. We talked about that one. Right. Uh, greeting gesture confusion. So it's usually like played for comedy. So like when he goes for a fist bump. Yes. And he like yes. grabs his hand and shakes it. It's usually used for comedy to say like, oh, look how out of touch this person is. But here it's like this moment of confusion it's and a, unsettling and horror. It's one of those moments that I mentioned where it's mm-hmm. like at first it's really funny because you're like, oh. But then you're realizing why he's not. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh. Like it was just... Oh yeah, yeah, that was an interesting moment. And then there is headphones equal isolation. So when Chris is killing the other Armitage family members, she's just listening on her headphones. With her little fruit loops. With her little fruit loops. Uh, (laughs) She only actually hears something when um, well Georgina's hit with the car. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then this, I love this one. Hell is that noise? And so it's like (laughs) playing off of what the hell is that noise? But it's hell is that noise. So it's noise that's unnatural, unnerving, and it's not, like, terrifying at first, but over time it becomes haunting or downright yeah. nightmarish. 
So the Run Rabbit Run music, it's just a song playing in car, but then you're like, this is really creepy. Right. Why is this new car playing this song from like the 30s? Ugh. And then the teaspoon, like the oh, metal my teaspoon, God. and the injured deer like screaming. Oh, so God, there were so many. Yep. That teaspoon, man. Fuck, uh, that's so fucking scary. I remember when I first watched this and I was like, why is she doing that so much? I was like annoyed. I was like, stop it. It was like, mm-hmm. he's trying to talk. Yep. And then slowly I was like, wait, she won't stop. <laughs> and then I realized. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so upsetting. Yep. And then we have two impaled tropes. <laughs> impaled. Oh, good, too. Yeah. Double the fun. Yep. Impaled with extreme prejudice. Uh, <laughs> so that's reason impaled by the deer head. Right. And then impaled hand. And that one will make a return in a future movie that I'm super pumped about. Oh. Don't tell me which one I want to see if I can guess. I'll never guess. <laughs> I know myself. It's the one that we're going to have a special guest for. <gasps> we have so many planned, though. So I don't know. know which one. Don't tell me. I'll tell me. I'll okay, 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 okay. Um, uh, that part also really freaked me out. Uh-huh. Because, again... It was like, she stabs his hand, Mm -hmm. and it's just this look of, like, I'm done. Like, he just looks so, like, Mm -hmm. I can't right now. Like, he's, I know it hurts. I'm sure he's in pain, but he's just so done with this moment. Mm -hmm. He's like, I don't give a fuck right now. I just want to leave. And it's just, again, acting with his face. It was Mm -hmm. incredible. Hot damn. So talented. So talented. I'm skipping a few because we've done them before. One of them is Mask of Sanity, and it's Rose because... Oh, right, right, right. She is... Supposed to be set up as the character that is potentially an ally to him. Yeah. (laughs) Ally. Uh, And she, like, lets that mask of sanity slip at the end because she's just like, I don't need to hide it anymore. Right. Like, she knows, like, what's the point? Yep. And it's usually used for a plot twist. Oh, my God. Uh, Then we have Mood Whiplash, we've talked about. uh, Nothing personal, where Jim is talking to Chris. And this is one of those moments (laughs) where it's just, like, of course, white dude. But he's like, dude, race has nothing to do with it. I oh, want your right. eyes, man. And uh, so, like, there are a lot of different things attached to this. Where, like, first of all, oh, it's not about race. Fuck you. Uh, second of all, he's like, I want the your eye, the thing, like, those things those you, things see, you out of. see out of. And it's yeah. like, you want his artistic vision. Exactly. But you're going to get his eyes with your brain. You will never be able to have his artistic sensibilities right. by having his body. I wondered, because I... So, obviously, he's, like, a photographer yeah. in the movie, which is dope. As a fellow photographer, I was like, yeah, my dude! <laughs> um, but I wondered. I was like, is that why people want his, like, his eyes? Is that why he wanted his eyes? That's why that um, art dealer wanted it, because he's blind. Right. And, and I thought that was... yeah. I just remember thinking that was so funny that he wanted his eyes. Because of what you said. I was like, you can see through eyes all you want. Yeah. It's not going to change anything. Like, it's all about how, like, you have to see it with your brain, not your fucking eyes. Yep. So, yeah, I, I remember being a little confused at that part. Because I was like, okay, why do you want his eyes so bad? It's not going to change anything for you, really, besides being able to see. So. And it's like this, to me, it was like this moment of appropriation, like, to the nth degree. Where it's oh, like. yeah. He thinks that he can just pick up whatever he wants of this person's experience mm-hmm. when it benefits him, but right. none of the cultural weight of yeah. having gotten that experience or mm-hmm. that oppression or that discrimination, like all the trauma and all of the life experiences that led to that creativity. Right. Like, and I don't want to say like, oh, creativity is born of trauma solely. Like that's not what I'm no. trying to say. But like he wants the benefits without any of the burden. Exactly. And that's yeah. a really well, common thing. Well, so they thing. all want and that's yeah. why it's so unsettling. Yeah. It's just like, what do you think? Like what what – And you can see it happening in real life too. I know Mm -hmm. we've already talked about it, but just like this is such a weird comparison, but it's just like like TikTok dances. Have you seen this shit? Yeah. All the creators just getting like absolutely no credit Mm -hmm. and then these dances go viral because a bunch of like 
white creators did it and they even had one of the women like on jimmy fallon, on jimmy fallon. Was the, it was the most boring dance i've she, ever seen she was just like yeah dancing and i was like you don't seem to even give a shit and they're not yours no she stole this from black creatives she stole them from black Cre- and like you can just see the actual like passion and care that went into creating the dance mm-hmm. and the people who do them don't even give a fuck and it was just it reminded me of like that where i'm like i just because you do something the same or because you took it from someone, you're not going to, I don't know. Yeah. But like the eye thing. I was just like, what What do you think you're going to be able to do with his eyes other than see? Your dumb, dumb brain's still going to be the same. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right. Back to tropes before I mad again. <laughs> then there's the nuclear family. And that mm-hmm. one's like, you know, the father, the mother, the like wild boy and the like very like proper daughter right but it's like played for horror because like their normalcy hides their sinister nature but then it's also like how evil can be mundane right so it's like played in a lot of different ways they, they did that in a way but also the son i feel like he's just creepy from the beginning where did he get his accent none of his other family members talk like he does where did he get his accent i think he's just creepy and like it, ugh, i hated he, him like you said, it's the nuclear family, the normal seat. But I'm like, he comes in hot. He is just weird from the start. And I'm like, what's your deal? Your little ponytail and your little mustache. And his not little lacrosse stick. I hate it. Lacrosse. And not that those things made him creepy. No. It's the personality yes. that did it. But it was just like, everyone else is like, we are a normal family. And then he just busts in and he's like, are we? Maybe he was supposed to be your first inkling of, like, things ain't going well. Like, yeah, I don't even know that character. He creeped me out from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I saw him on the porch. And I was like, oh, no, no, I do not. Yes, like exactly. <laughs> the minute he's, like, leaning against it and, like, you can, there's, like, a swell of a little bit of some ominous music. And I'm just like, oh, so this is where we're going to begin to see things. Like, mm-hmm. clearly the sun. And then when he starts to be like, I mean, you could be a beast. Like, I could, you know, and you're like, okay okay, you're clearly the one who is ushering in the, the terror. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Creeps me out. We also have once more with clarity. <laughs> uh, so that's Chris, like, realizing why he was being asked yeah. all of the insulting personal questions or right. insulting and personal questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because, like, when he's being told by Jim, like, this is the reason that I took your body. And he's, like, replaying those conversations in right. his mind. Uh, then there's product placement. Oh. All of the tech that Chris uses is Windows. Hey, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, sweet Windows deal. <laughs> yep. Uh, right for the wrong reasons. So Rod is totally right that something sinister is going on, but he is convinced it's a sex cult. Oh my God. Yeah. I. <laughs> this is another one of those great moments. It's funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when she keeps bringing in more police officers to listen and he oh. does not change his story. No. Even a little. He's just like, okay, we're bringing in more people. It's a sex cult. And I like when he goes, and shit. Sorry about the shit. That, <laughs> oh my God, I loved it so much. Um, he was an amazing character of just always being like, I'm not just gonna take it. This is not right. <laughs> just crack with the TSA. When he's just like, we also have the same detective training you do, probably even more. And I was mm-hmm. like, hell yeah. I was like, you go. <laughs> I love him. Oh, he's that was good. a great character. He was a great character. But yes, that's, <laughs> that's great. There's also the rule of symbolism. Uh, so this is like the symbolism is important. So like the weapons that he uses to kill the Armitage is like he uses a bocce ball. Yeah. That's oh, like yeah. a super like upper middle class to right. upper class thing. And then like the cultists arrive in black cars. They're white people on black vessels. <sighs> yeah. 
And then we've used these two before, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to like go super deep into it. Sliding scale of comedy to horror and mm-hmm. soundtrack dissonance. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then the last one. Oh, boy. The wham shot. Oh! <laughs> so there's... Wham! Yeah. <laughs> so there's several types of whams. There's a wham episode, a wham line, and a wham shot. Wham episode is like the episode that radically alters a story arc. Okay. Uh, the wham line radically alters a scene. Right. And the wham shot is like the visual version of these things. So when Rose drops her like frantic, confused front and becomes eerily calm, <gasps> you know I can't wham. hand you the keys, babe. That's the wham shot and wham line. It is because she still says babe and that's one of the creepiest yep. parts. She's like, you know, I can't do that, babe. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, don't call him babe. Don't you dare. Stop it. And it's not the only wham shot. There's no. also like when they realize like, you know, they're doing the silent auction mm-hmm. and then it, the camera pans down and you see his photo and you realize what they're bidding on. Oh my God. And just, it's like how silent it is. Like, mm-hmm. it's so, because, like, and it's creepy because, like, it's silent. It's a silent auction. Mm-hmm. But it's silent because they have to be quiet because he's around. And, like, oh, that was so unsettling. Yep. I just, the, the like, oh, it just really was upsetting, like, how quiet they were while he was saying, like, we gotta leave. We gotta leave. Yeah. Yep. Oh, the wham shot. There it is. <laughs> so upsetting. Oh, horrific. Yeah. So how are we going to rate this movie? Oh my god. I've, I've just... I mean, the obvious choice, you know, is like teacups. But there's got to be more. There's got to be more. Uh, taxidermy deer heads. Oh, taxidermy deer heads. Lacrosse sticks. Lacrosse sticks. But also like, fuck Bocce that guy. Balls. Weird little mustaches. Weird little mustaches. <laughs> creepy little mustache. Creepy little mustache. Um, <laughs> TSA detective training. Um... <laughs> TSA detective training. TSA detective training. I mean, it's the same as you guys. We get the same problem yeah. more. Because, like, we deal with, like, terrorist shit. <laughs> I love it. But I love when he's, like, mad about the old woman thing. Because yes. he's like, it's going to be geriatric shit. <laughs> oh, my God. And that's even kind of foreshadowing. Because, I was going to say yeah. uh, a half-eaten Fruit Loop. Mm. Too many sips of milk. Too many sips of milk. Jesus, there are so many. So many milk sips. Uh, There's just so many good ones. Yeah. What are you vibing with? What are you feeling? Uh, I had a reaction in my heart and my soul to the TSA. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> Something in me was just like, it has to it be has this. It has to be, yeah. <laughs> so it's TSA training? Detective training? TSA? TSA detective agent. Okay. No. <laughs> I'm going to write it down. TSA detective training. TSA. D- my d- dyslexic brain. Got to see it. Detect. I said it. And I still am like, what was it? TSA detective training. Okay. Is it my <laughs> turn to rate first? Uh, yeah, yeah, because I did Hell House. <clears throat> I give it five. Yep. Uh, five out of five t- TSA, TSA detective trainings. Hold it up. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, I, I literally had no qualms with this movie. No. Like, I had, I had one that was, like, not even to the level of qualm, where it was like, the kink community probably deserves better than that, but it was, like, so minor, and it wasn't, like... Right, yeah. I don't qualms. I think that Jordan Peele wrote and directed an incredible screenplay uh, film. I don't know if screenplay and film are different. I should probably know by this point. Uh, well, no, I think screenplay. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. no, no qualms. I thought it was beautiful and scary. And there's, it's just really cool reading about like his perspective on writing it and directing it. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? I mean, surprise, surprise. Same. Five out of five TSA detective training. Yeah. I... For all the reasons you said, and for, like, the fact that, like, you see yourself in both. Yeah. Like, that's that's not super easy to do. Mm-mm. 
And, um, and to also still love a movie, even when you can't see yourself as the protagonist, yeah. is really interesting. Even when you're implicated in right. the movie. Yeah. When you see yourself in the villain, you can still be like, this is a very good movie. Yep. <laughs> like, it's a very, very, very good movie. Yeah. Um, and the lighting. Yeah. Like, even though I, because I was so into the story, I didn't have a chance to really, like, deep dive into it. I still knew right away that it was, like, important and that, like, it was just beautifully done. The acting. Yeah, the I'll never acting. be over how well they acted with their faces. So fucking Especially good. because they were supposed to be different people. So mm-hmm. they had to be acting as, like, themselves while they're being someone else. That's that's so hard to do. Yep. And, like, people who can do that absolutely amaze me. Mm-hmm. So, like, hats off to all of these people for just doing an amazing job. Like, Rose and Georgina and, like, just ridiculously good. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously... Daniel Kaluuya, like, wowzers. Yeah. <laughs> so talented. I know we've said that a million times, and I don't care. <laughs> Daniel Kaluuya is welcome on our podcast anytime. Anytime. Jordan <laughs> Peele, anytime. Uh-huh. Anytime. <laughs> I'm sure they would love to come on. Uh-huh. I'm sure. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Five, five out of five. TSA detective training. Okay, I, so that's uh, a 10 TSA detective training. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect we deal time. with that terrorist shit. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So that wraps up our discussion of Get Out. Yeah. Uh, If you enjoyed your time with us, we would greatly appreciate it. If you'd rate and review on Apple Podcasts, that really does help other people find our show. We also just really love reading what you say. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Just Cool With It, where every Wednesday we'll post the movie for the week. Check out our extended show notes on our website, justcoolwithitpod.com, or maybe even take a look at our Patreon at patreon.com slash justcoolwithit. And we would like to take this opportunity to thank our patrons. Kim, Kelly, Nihar, Will, Rachel, Kelsey, Sula, and Tim. Y'all are incredible. We are so very grateful for our patrons. The intro and outro music was... (laughs) I love them too. (laughs) (laughs) The intro and outro music was created by Anthony Roccozella. And the cover art is by our very own Nikki Solomon. Hell yeah. Okay. (laughs) See you next week. See you next week. Get out! Get out! Get out! No, please stay. Please stay. No, please stay. God, please. (laughs) Oh, no. You slut. Uh, I don't know if we're gonna keep that in, but in Probably case we do, um, Kate said that about herself once. We were editing, and Kate went, "That's enough out of you, slut." Talking about herself, and she was cutting a part out. So in case this makes it in, that's the explanation. <laughs> Absolutely incredible.